Today, I sit down with Nikita Brezhnikov. Nikita Brezhnikov is an amazing wrestler, actor. He even spent time in the police force working with domestic violence and human trafficking. Back then, it wasn't called human trafficking. They didn't have the name for it. But he's done some amazing things and some amazing work. He's such a humble man, and I'm so glad to have him here and to spend New Year's Eve with him. So Nikita Bresnikov, welcome to A Voice to Be Reckoned With, with Brandy Joy. Hi, I'm Brandy Joy, A Voice to Be Reckoned With. And if you didn't know already, Anchor is definitely the place that you want to go to record a podcast. No minimum listenership. It's free, guys. I mean, they give you these creation tools that are so easy to use to put together an amazing show like mine, a voice to be reckoned with. And I'm on season three. Okay? You can distribute your podcast to places like Google Cast, Spotify, so much more. And did I already say minimum listenership? I mean, you can record. And people can find you in your audio library and listen to you whenever they want, wherever they want. You can support on your phone, in your car, in your bathroom, in your room. It doesn't matter. Your voice can be heard. Your voice can be a voice to be reckoned with. Also, so please go now. Go to Google Play or anchor.fm. Please, don't miss out. Go now. Join Anchor. Bringing in the New Year's with Nikita was amazing. Such a delight. So easy to talk to. And so much to share. Hey, everybody. I'm here today with a special guest on my show, Voice to be Reckoned With. Nikita Bresnibok. Hi, Nikita. Hey, good morning. How's everybody out there today, Brandy? Well, I hope they're all doing well because it's New Year's Eve and, uh, yeah, New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah, the New Year's Eve show. What a biggie. That's nice. Yes, yes, yes. And I get to say I, I was hanging with Nikita on New Year's Eve. That's why I brought my New Year's in, so it's got to be a good year. Hey, there you go. That's it. That's a great thing. Yep. <laughs> oh man, so how how are you? How have you been? I'm just as always, one foot in front of the other, trying to stay upright, so I just keep on keeping on, that's all. <laughs> that's good. That is good. Nikita, can you please um everybody Nikita oh man, I will I would rather you tell everybody if they don't already remember or know who you are and where you're from and what you do. All right, I'll tell you what, let me run it by date. I started out actually with the police department of Baltimore. I'm a retired detective sergeant after serving 27 years. In the middle of that, believe it or not, I got involved in pro wrestling. I got to be the manager and sometimes tag team partner of the legendary Nikolai Volkov. Now I had to get permission to do that from the police department because we would do moonlighting jobs with the permission because we had to supplement our income. It was funny how that came about, but they they let me do it. And then that begat acting. I 
because that's a form of acting in itself. So, yeah, and that lead, led me with the police department to the domestic violence coordinator at one point in my career. And that meant I was in charge of a squad that was in charge of all of the nine districts. And for all domestic violence incidents uh, that involved everything from the common assault to sexual assault, it basically at that time we didn't have the name human trafficking as much as we do today, but that was obviously in the mix. So we dealt with that as well. So that's what leads me here today, because I actually had a radio show at one point. Oh, wow. Well, with Dr. Carlos Vasquez from Pepperdine University, we were on iHeartRadio for a while, and we were dealing with the, the situation of human trafficking and sexual violence and things of that nature. So, yeah, I definitely have had the experience I've looked into eyes of victims and that really gives you quite a feel now see myself I was a child abuse victim never sexual it was physical my father was an alcoholic and it was the psychological which was the worst nobody likes to get hit obviously but the psychological it, it could really be demeaning and I think that's what really ties me into what your program is and what you're fighting for so yeah I'm glad and honored to be here and looking forward to helping as much as possible well, well thank you and I'm, and I'm so so happy to to have you here you know and it just shows how things work and we connect you know with how things play out and they connect with what you've been through at you know and as a young child and then you end up we end up, you know, being introduced to each other and then yeah. here so yeah. Yeah, very much so, because that is a form of bullying too. <laughs> well, you know? I think one common denominator we all have on this earth is pain. We feel it in one form or another, you know, and with everybody it's equal and it's never pleasant. So it's like, you know, we helping each other through the pain, that's a great goal. Yeah, for sure. Yep, yep, that is definitely, and I and I just wish you know, and that, and that's the thing too with um what I'm doing with the uh, anti-bullying, is that I, I want us all to be able to do that and help each other through through the pain, and not just the victims, not just the kids or the bullies, even the parents, you know, because some parents feel so helpless and they don't know what to do, and then there's ones that actually lost their child to suicide or or mass shooting or you know, so we all we're all connected through our pain. Well, when you talked about suicide, now that's touched me in so many ways, both police work and wrestling. We've had our share of problems because some people decided to deal with their pain through their own drug abuse. They figured they were gonna be their own doctor and it wasn't always prescription drugs. And sometimes it becomes, it, it takes you. It's a beast within yourself. So. I, I have been touched by that so many times, and then you hear of it, the despair in people that causes them to take that step. And that's what we really need to fight for and fight about. It's like, you know, don't give up hope. And when you do bully, I believe the bullies themselves are feeling pain. Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah, and that's their catharsis, to go and just administer that pain on somebody else. Yeah. It, as rotten as it may be, 
but it's like, man, you don't know the damage you're doing. You, you really need to stop and take a step back and reevaluate because everything we do not only affects us, but it does affect somebody else, whether the person's close to us, casual acquaintance. So we just have to be aware of the fact that, hey, come on, man, we're, we're out there. What we say and do, it means something. Yeah. Yeah. I see that a lot, you know, working with kids for the last uh, maybe six years. You know, I try to teach them how to have empathy t- towards one another, you know, because they're very mean to each other, the um, kids that I work with now. We've been having this ongoing challenge of trying to to get past before we can even get to the learning process, you know, of their academics is get past, you know, how ugly you guys are to each other. And just it's been like a few months and every day I go in with something new and I just take each time as a, a learning, you know, opportunity if I see bullying. Because, you know, you can't just you can't let any of it slide. And I see that, uh, you know, people have a tendency to let it go on to a certain extent and when it's gotten so much bigger and then it gets out of control you know I mean as soon as you see somebody laugh at somebody or say any you know you have to nip that nip that in the bud yes ever get humor off someone else's pain or their their problems or because their shoes or any of that you know well that's a good point walk in somebody else's shoes and see how you like it because that's not the easiest thing to do and I, I've known some very strong people in my life that you think, wow, how did he or she get through that? It's unbelievable. But you just do. And there's no magic to it. I mean, those that have strong faith, that helps. Strong family and friend support. I always found in my life, friends were a bigger support than anything. Yeah, it's true. And my family was the catalyst of most of my problems. So if I didn't have a strong friends network, yeah, it would really be difficult. Yeah, that's very true. Isn't it crazy that you think people think it would be the family, but it's actually the family is probably the furthest. It's like you said, <laughs> with the actual issue, and it's crazy. But yeah, friends are, you know. Yeah, you think blood relations would be like, oh man, you know, they'll take care of you. Even the animal world, they do that. You know, it's like, wow. You see, and sometimes I describe this when I talk to some of the people in the forums that I still participate in. And it's like, geez, even the, when you hear about, to me, I always found it was an uncle that was a sexual abuser in families. And of the boys, a lot of times females too, but boys as well. And it's like, it's the uncle that's not the blood relative, but then the the family itself, who that child is a blood relation to, at times they would get angry. Like you're bringing them a problem they don't want to deal with. And it's like, wait a minute, even an animal, if you go after it's young, they're going to shred you, man. They're going to chew your head off. You can't even be as humane it sounds crazy as an animal you know it's like come on take care of your young mm-hmm. yeah so you're so right and, and that's uh brings in a, another thing when um when i do my show i try to reach out to parents and tell them you know because a lot of times uh that's with the school or where their child may reside and you know they kind of underplay what's going on with that child and i had an incident not that long ago with my son i had to remove him from his school because it got physical and more than once and I took him out I said I can't leave my son here I don't feel safe with him here they 
couldn't really make me assure me that things would get better or be okay. They just wanted him there for whatever, you know, so they can continue with their business. And I took him out and he, some people had judgments saying, oh, you need to, he needs to be in school. What are you going to do? And that, that didn't matter to me at the time. My son's safety was all that mattered. And I'm like, he's not going to college tomorrow. So he'll be fine. He's 12 and it doesn't even matter. Education became the bottom of the list over my son's safety. I mean, first of all, I have to keep him safe and alive for him to even come to school. Okay, so that's, <laughs> you know, right. and I tell like, don't let them bully you into thinking that you have no other options. You take your child. You're your child's biggest advocate. Your job is to protect your child at all times. Remove your child. You know, if, if that's the case. Yes. Now, see, you did what the parent does. You protected your child. Yeah. As nice as it is, you know, and that's that's, some, that's some, the most one of the most vulnerable things as parents that we have to do is leave our child somewhere. Because kids just most, spend most of their time at school. Sometimes they spend more time at school than they do with their own families. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. And then so, on the other end of that, when we get older, it's work. We spend more time with our work colleagues. Exactly. Than we do with family and our interactions there play into how we're going to see ourselves and how things are going to progress in our lives. Yeah. That's so true. So true. Wow. Well, uh, I want to ask, so for, for you, what did, what did you think that, uh, that could change or be done from your experience as far in the, in the field you're in, um, working with, uh, the, 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 um, the, uh, was it was it the, the domestic? Okay, well, I'll tell you, one of the kickers, the real key to this is when you talk about human trafficking, that's usually the result of a horrible childhood. And they, it's so bad that they pack up and leave home. And they're not ready to leave home, obviously, because they can't provide for themselves. So then they fall into the hands of these predators that act like a surrogate family, only they're looking for someone to keep their dishonest business going. And then they fall into a world of drugs. And I've said this before, the term prostitution, it's just a generic term that gets thrown out there through the years. But basically, it's all human trafficking victims. It's nobody. And I saw on the human trafficking network one time, they had a picture of a young girl like four or five with her father and then the other side of that picture was somebody on the street looking in a car obviously working the street and it said look no young girl ever aspires to be a, a prostitute or, or a sex trafficker that's not their goal they fall into it because they're forced into it and you at home can actually stop that if you just listen to your children protect them and love them I didn't have love in my home. If, you know, they considered it, my parents, when I say they, they considered it that, uh, well, we feed you, we, you know, put clothes on you and you have a roof over your head. And their mindset for that era, that was all they were required to do. And that's not true. As you know, it goes much deeper than that. So when you don't provide that to your children, You know, it's working on them day and night, day and night. And then when you get out with your friends and your peers, you have a responsibility then. Because if you know a friend of yours is having a bad situation at home, take them in a good direction 
don't add to that situation. Because, you know, a lot of times you'll hear people, and I saw it so many times, that the older generations, if they were abused by their husband physically, they would be quiet about it because the families back then would say, well, he's your husband. You're supposed to just stay with him no matter what. And that's the most ridiculous information you could give a human being, but that's how they operated. And then within the family, if it was a child, which in my case, uh, I had to go see a doctor because I was actually biting my fingers, not my fingernails, but my fingers. And they took me, they treated me with a solution. The doctor, they called it a fungus. And the doctor's like, well, it's a nervous habit. It's like, it's not a nervous habit. I'm terrified of the beast I live with. And people, I, I, like, good thing now is that we recognize these problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We hear these cries, whereas before they would intentionally be ignored because people always felt like, well, it's none of our business. Even though the police department for a long time, you would know husband was beating the wife. They said, well, it's not our business. They're married. It's like, but it is your business because, you know, then it can escalate to the point where somebody's shot. And and, (laughs) you're a law enforcement. So you're supposed to take care of people and not make their lives worse. So we're a good point in life where people do see what's going on and do get involved but we're not quite there yet we can't raise the flag of victory and say well we've got it all beat because we don't there's still a lot of ignorance and i I, quite honestly a lot of people still don't want to be bothered with it they really don't want to hear you know like like i said again the kids come home and say well gee uh so and so touched me inappropriately i don't want to hear because then it's like you got to confront that person and you got to deal with it and some people just don't want to be bothered with it. It's like, but that's your job. Where's your heart? Yeah. Because it's like, you know it's going, you know, you don't want to deal with it, but it's like, well, then you're harboring this. You just, you're just as probably bad as the, uh, as the abuser at that yes. point. Absolutely. I agree with you a hundred percent, Brandy, because that person, they, they're, they're A, they're part A, you're part B now. If you don't do, once you're notified, somebody's crying out to help, for help, to you, and you just ignore it for whatever reason, well, yeah, you're just as bad because you have a chance to stop it. And how can you not? I mean, come on. Yep. Yep, and that's the name of my, um, uh, my uh, foundation I'm trying to build is uh, Stopping the Pain. Very good name. I like that. Yep. Most definitely. Um, I'm very passionate about it, and it and it just baffles me the lack of concern um, on so many levels that this isn't at the high top of the list. You know, once you once the once the chain of events end up in death with kids, that's the that's the way they're dealing with it. Because we tell kids to come to us when they're a bit in danger, or or you know what I mean, whatever it may be, and then they do it, and then. And then once you don't do anything or you ignore it, now you have left it up to that child to handle it however they choose to handle it. And now times are not good. <laughs> yes, you know, that's that's where the hopelessness overwhelms them because you're right, that's a natural reaction. Go tell the parent, go tell the adult what's happening. And if they don't help, then you're left with, oh, there's, there is no hope. 
And then you start to get crazy ideas in your head of how to escape your problem. And that's what does lead to suicide, drug abuse, or again, runaway. And that's just deadly. That's a slow death, in my opinion. It's sad to say, but that's about how it breaks down. Yeah. Oh, man, let's just hope to, for 2020 that we see some. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, peace for the world is just not just a quote or just something for, you know, because you don't know what else to say, but it's like, yeah, that's what he looked for. Pray for peace for the world. Not just that there's not wars, but that people at least take care of, of their children and those that need help, if vulnerable adults, it happens to them too. You can't believe what I've seen over the years. It's like, and again, because it becomes a burden. So people don't want to be bothered. They're busy with their life. But it's like, hey, that person used to take care of you when you were a helpless baby. You know, and it's like, now it's your turn. They're a baby too. They're just in a bigger form and they have you know, more faculties, obviously, to communicate with you, but, you know, now it's your turn. Don't let them down. Yeah, sure. Let's hope 2020, we see, we we beat down the suicide and and just, that's a a key factor. Abuse, bullying, you know, you hear it, even from, like, WWE, uh, they had a big, non-bullying message and it's I know it might sound crazy it's pro wrestling but it's like believe it or not that message always was the good overcomes evil and to have your storyline it's like the chicken and the egg it's like you gotta have somebody actually bullied or attacked or beaten down by several others and then you come back and you win and you overcome that that's the message they try to promote but they even at the beginning of a lot of their shows and videos DVDs now, of course, they have an anti-bullying message that it's not cool, it's not good, and don't do it. Stop. You be the person that begins to stop. And then hopefully others will follow you. Yeah, for sure. We definitely got to bring that bring that back. I was talking to somebody the other day, and we were talking about mentors. Like, where does that go? Mentorship, you know, role models and, and all that. You know, and I don't see much of it anymore. You know, someone that can guide or the kids look up to, or just like how you said with WWE, how you guys had that amazing, you know, the, the bully campaign. And it's like, where, 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 where is those days? <laughs> okay. Shit, we need mentors like so badly. <laughs> yes, and if you're in the public eye, you do have a responsibility. What you say and do, they they idolize you. They, you know, they live on your every word and, uh, you know, they have pictures of you. They, they just want to speak to you. And it's like, then what you say is important. So now what you say has to be tempered. It has yep. to be well thought and then speak and do right in the world. I mean, it's free. It's easy to give that advice, but it's also just as easy to throw the gasoline and have the match. It's like, please be careful what you say because they are listening to you your fan base it, it, even if people aren't that deep they still it clicks in their head our, our brains are sponges it absorbs so much it really does so it's yeah. like you know, be careful what you put forth yep so true but unfortunately 
<laughs> that's not what's in people's minds when they're, you know what I mean? I guess a lot of people don't sit back and think the repercussions. Like, you know, with the kids, I always tell them, I say, I have a thing where we are our own walking uh, slogan, like our advertisement, you know what I mean, for ourselves. Yes. and carry yourself the way you treat others things that comes out of your mouth and all that stuff that's the way people see you and other people are going to gravitate towards you or not towards you you can ruin opportunities uh that can change your life all by the way how you carry yourself and how you treat others you know if i see someone that's always you know doesn't treat people well you know what I mean or talks down about people and just you know those type then I'm not that's not the type of person I really want to gravitate towards right. you know what I'm saying so it's like try to let them know like you, people see you what you do how you act what you say and do you want to be that person that spews negativity and tear people down or do you want to be that person that use your words to build people up you know because words are powerful you know you can destroy things <laughs> with oh. the words Absolutely. That's why I said earlier at the beginning, I didn't like getting hit, but it, it was the name calling that was really, it tore my self-esteem down and would make me not want to wake up in the morning. You know, that was the problem. Uh, you, you don't want to open your eyes because you know, as soon as you do, the pain will be there. So words can hurt. We've heard this before, but it's so true. If we keep hearing it, then why don't people react to it and stop doing it? Right. It's a cycle. Pain, the pain's given, you know, yeah. pain among pain. Like they get the, somebody gets the pain, they give it to somebody else. Someone gets the pain, give it to somebody else. You know, let's take that pain and all together put it somewhere, lock it away, <laughs> get rid of it, and let go. <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Stop the pain and you be the beginning of that. That's where we got to be. Yeah, it's everybody's job. It's everybody's responsibility. If people don't want to do it, then you know what? Uh, be cordial at least and silence. You know, right. if you're going to, if you can't be, the old saying, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. And that's true. Because. <laughs> So we'll see how it plays out. We, we keep fighting, Brandy. I know you do and I do as well. So we just keep trying. Yeah, that's all, we, that's all we can do and just try to bring more people aboard to, you know, but definitely let people know they're not alone and that someone cares. No matter where, who, where you are, somebody cares. I know I do. And that's why I use my platform to, to reach, you know what I mean, the nation and like be that voice. Maybe one somebody will hear and be like, and it might change that one person's mind or something, you know? That's a great point. There is somebody that cares for everyone in your life that shows you a, a bad side or abuses you. There is more out there that will love you and will care. They may be strangers, but guess what? They will be closer to you, as we've said earlier, than your family, because if your own blood can't provide that, well, then there are people that they don't have to be blood relation but they will become closer. They will be your family. And that's who you gravitate to. Let yep. them embrace you. If there's love, accept it. Yep. Amen to that. Oh, man. Well, I appreciate you and, and all that you that you do. And um, I can just imagine in, the, in that field that, you know, it has to like, with helping others, it has to sacrifice as, as what you see and what, how it affects you. 
Yeah, yeah, that's the bad side to it. And that's where wrestling always was my catharsis, even when I was a child going through that situation. And then in the police department, it still continued on. And even till this day, you got to have an escape. But that does beat you down every day because people don't just call you up and say, hey, officer, come on over. My wife just had a baby. Sit down and have a piece of pie and a cup of coffee with us. They're calling you because there was a SIDS death, you know, after they've had the child six months or some other horrible tragedy. And it's like, man, you're in the middle of people's, the worst of people's lives every day. And it's like, man, that'll wear you down so quick. Yeah. Just give you a negative attitude towards life. And again, we're all human. And that's why when people say, you know, police are this, police are that, it's like, no. We recruit from the human race. In my last three years, I was in the Internal Investigation Division. And I went there accidentally because the domestic violence was being replaced by, the funding was being replaced by, after the 9-11 attacks, by uh, Homeland Security. So that that pretty much was being disbanded. So they said, well, look, uh, we got a spot in IID. That's it. Other than that, we'll just rip you away from being a detective and you go back to patrol. Well, I needed my schedule for wrestling. So it's like, okay, give me my hunk of cheese and off the IID I go as a rat. But when I, that's the stigma. But when I got there, it was like, oh man, look at this. This is unbelievable. Some of the things that are done, but none of it, none was ever swept under a rug. Everything's investigated. And believe it or not, I come to find out a lot of tips came into the line from other police. So it's like, it's not tolerated. Even though we do recruit from the human race, the good part of the human race always stands above the bad. And it's like, no, it's not tolerated. Not going to say it's perfect, but it is dealt with. And it's it has to be dealt with because who is the big bully stopper out there is the police department. And I know at times they appear to be bullies because they're like the parents of society. Hmm. But but that has to be tempered as well. And when it gets out of control, well, then it gets addressed. But please understand that most of the people I knew, I, I never came to work and had somebody sit next to me and say they wanted to go out and harm another person that day or night. It's like, no, that's, that's never the goal. It can take a bad turn. And, you know, there were some people that didn't belong there, without a doubt. They snuck through the cracks or they the mask comes off. Some people yeah. have things to prove. You know, they're angry. Like, you know, like we're describing, everybody is carrying. You can't look inside the person and see what they're carrying, just like a cancer. doesn't. You can't just look in and see it. You have to wait for the signs to start to show itself that it's festering inside. Well, as humans, when our festering starts... It affects a bunch of other humans, and that's where the problem comes in. But rest assured, we're all carrying something. Oh, yeah, for sure. And today, if, you know, you got, like, The Rock, look at him. He's third generation. He he just, now, see, I I spun off into acting, mainstream acting from it as well, but obviously not like Dwayne Johnson has done. God bless him. He's done just a fantastic job. But, see, he's charismatic. And that came through. His grandfather uh, was an idol of mine, 
Chief Peter Maivia, he was a Samoan chief, legitimate. It was not like a just wrestling character thing. He really was a Samoan chief. And because he had the tattoos and uh, when I say tattoos, they would do one quarter of your body from your waist all the way down to your calves. Uh, it almost looked like you were wearing pants, but it wasn't. It was the tattoos so much covered his body. And then his father, Rocky Johnson, he was great in his own right. Uh, he was big West Coast champion and did lots out on the West Coast. He went to the WWE back in 1982. So he had a good foundation. He had a very good foundation. I hear the bell ringing. Is it uh, time for tea? No, that was me. Um, and don't worry, I can always, this part right here, I can edit it out. That was me coming in through a whole nother device. So and just in case the other one was getting low on battery. <laughs> oh, oh, we're good. We're good. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, he's a great example of, uh, I, I like the quote that I use in my book too called good is the enemy of great man don't just settle for being good enough be great go for it keep on every day get up and try to do better and if you don't make it you've already succeeded by trying that's half the battle that's what you can't get people to do is to even try right yeah mm-hmm. well I mean there's still hope I, I, every day we, we are waking up I feel like then that's another day that we have a chance to, to do it to make it better to do it again yeah right? yeah that's great there is hope as long as you have hope you have a chance and everybody's got hope so the only one that can take that away is you and don't let that happen to yourself because you're doing the disservice nobody else is. you're creating that problem amen to that amen to that can you tell us more about um, the book that you have Yes, When It Was Real is produced by Crowbar Press, and you can get a copy of it through crowbarpress.com. Scott Teal was the wonderful publisher and editor of this book, and it's also a Kindle version, which is much cheaper, available on Amazon. And the only thing you'll lose with it, Scott did a wonderful thing I didn't even know he was going to do back in the old days. The, most of the advertisement was one-hour wrestling, and then there would be clips in the newspaper, like little ads. So he just filled that thing with, uh, let's see, 227 black and white images. Now, there's like a half a dozen pictures of me with other people in there, different stars to justify my stories that I, yeah, I actually did know these people, and th this is how I can explain things. It's not a tell-all book. I don't ever, I never believed in that. What went on behind the curtain was nobody's business. We didn't need to know. It's what we saw on television, what we saw in the arenas. And that's what I explain in this book. And that's why I call it When It Was Real, because I tell it's not so much about me. It's about us as fans, how it touched us and what it meant to us. Until this very day, not just crazy people like me that can rattle off dates and what happened. There's a lot of people out there because I post on Facebook daily. I try to keep up with eh, just what happened on this day back in the good old days in wrestling history. And for a while, I thought maybe I'm not going to do this anymore. It's time consuming. And, you know, I'm getting like 15, 17 likes, nobody's couple of comments. But then I had people tell me, and one in particular who had a physical tragedy, he said, I really look forward to that every day. So it's like, okay, I'm going to keep it going. It's not that hard. 
uh, it means something to somebody. So that's what's most important. Yeah, that's what counts. Yeah, that was awesome. So I, I, got, I, got, I got, got, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Brandy. No, I was just saying that's better than a like. You know, you have somebody actually telling you how it change, you know does something for them. Yes, sometimes you know? people don't always click like, but they are liking it and it's touching them. So it's like. Yeah. Okay, that does mean a lot. I'm also on Cameo, which is a greeting site, and we could tell you happy birthday, or you know, happy new year, whatever. Just say, hey, it's the key to Brezhnikov. I'm saying hi to Brandy. How are you doing? And it's they're calling it the new autograph or the new personal, like you go to autograph shows. So it's Cameo. If you want me to send you a message or say hi, goodbye, and I'm on Facebook doing my stuff there i'm twitter and the others too but I, i'm more facebook oriented it's easier i'm yeah. challenged as an old timer with all of these new technologies so it's like yeah i'm used to facebook i, I can do that in my sleep so i like that <laughs> yeah stick to that huh stick to what you know <laughs> yes yeah me too more facebook most definitely well i i gotta say i definitely appreciate you uh Stopping on in, stopping by, <laughs> hanging with here, a voice to be reckoned with. You're more than more than welcome to come back. We're going to want you to come back to talk more about you know what's going on and and, and your book and the responses and yeah, just you're a part of the family now. Feel free. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And please do have me back. I'm always willing to come and do something good for the world. <laughs> and that's very much appreciated. And I will be. Con- getting contact with you more about you know something towards the, um, the bullying project I'll definitely could uh, we could use someone like you the world can use someone like you <laughs> beautiful I appreciate that but thank you so much everybody uh, Nikita Bra- do, I, do I say because I always have this thing every other show I feel like I'm screwing somebody's name up Brezhnikov <laughs> Nikita Brezhnikov Brezhnikov did I say good Brezhnikov. that's beautiful here we go, guys. You have it right here. And um, thank you. And uh, you have a happy new year. Happy new year. All right. See you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. Uh, are you still there? For sure. And if they say they're not, yeah, they're not telling you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's their way of dealing. Their catharsis, but it's like, nah, you're just fooling yourself. Just let it out. <laughs> I call that that's the people that are portraying to be uh, what's that um, Happy Days Mom or Carol Brady or <laughs> yeah, you know what? Everything's perfect. It's great. <laughs> I've never been too big to say I need help or things are bothering me because it, it just happens. I mean, <laughs> or that you're afraid, and you know that's okay. Because we do become afraid when these things happen to us, when there's strife in our life. You know, it's like, well, you're supposed to be afraid. That's a natural reaction for your body. If you were happy with it, you wouldn't be normal. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing would be done about it because you'd be accepting it. So if you're afraid, that means you, you know, that's how you know it's wrong. Something's wrong. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a great point, too, Brandy. I, I neglected that one. Trust your instincts. Because if, uh, especially with the parents, if an older person, whatever age, you say you got a five-year-old and there's somebody's in their like teens or older, and they want to spend a lot of time around your child, and 
the bells ring in your head. They're ringing for a reason. Pay attention to that. Yeah. Don't just say, well, you know, he's a nice guy. Because eh, it's too late. Once, uh, mm-hmm. once that infection takes effect into your child, that's something they'll never get rid of. So it's like, take note. You have instincts for a reason. And that's yeah. why we have them. So pay attention to that. Wow. That is such a, um, yeah, so that... I don't know what what that is when people, you know what I mean? Some people don't even really, like you said, pay attention to it. They kind of, it's one of those things where you're just like, yeah, I'm just, I could just be, you know, you kind of brush it off like, that's, where'd that come from? You know what I mean? Like, that's just me thinking, because I know that I, I'm on to a lot of stuff a lot, a lot of times. Sometimes when I don't want to be, but I trust it, because, I mean, what's the, what's the chances of it not being what it is, but, well, you know, why not? You know, I'm just gonna go with it because something's not right, and if it is right, whatever it may be, at least I know that I, I paid attention, and, and uh, you know, and uh, you and know. The same, same with friends. Watch who your friends are, because a lot of times they may want be looking for an opportunity to take somebody. You know, the saying to misery loves company. Sometimes people just like to react that way. Hey, I'm miserable. I'm gonna make the next five or six people miserable too, and it's like, nah, come on, don't let that happen to yourself. Yeah, that's like one of the biggest things right now with me, with my son, because he's such a, he's like a a guy's guy. Like he just loves, you know, mingling with amongst his peers. Even if he, he, I don't know any kids really like him, that he can just go up to anybody and just start a conversation, never have to have met you like another kid and just be like, hey, what's up? My name's Brandon, you know, (laughs) you know, but he's just so like, just so, he has that when it comes to to friendship and other people he doesn't have a mean like in his body like a mean bone his intents are never to hurt someone I always told kids when I used to work at his school and they would mess with my son and then they would tell me about it and I'd just be like wow you know this is my kid right and I would tell them I was like you know I said Brandon he's a really cool kid they always be like oh he talks too much he's this and that and you know and I was like you know what but I said I bet you guys you know what my son if something were to happen or we had some kind of catastrophe I said he'd be that kid to go back and want to and come and get you he'd be that friend to ask where you were and want to come back and get you I said so you may want to think about the type of friends you you know what I mean you you want to have you know and I tell him all the time like that's not your friend if they're bringing you constant pain and making you feel bad I try to teach him what respect looks like you know what I mean don't yeah. be desperate for that is not your friend hold the value of who you are in your friendship make it valuable you know, if, they, if that's how they want to be, then remove your friendship from them. You know, yes. but risk rough, rough with, you know, with adolescents, you know, with the younger, because they just want to be accepted. You know what I mean? And he just really loves to just like have fun and get along with people. That's all he wants to do. Yeah, they, everybody wants to be accepted in all of our circles. That That's a, a problem for all of us because we do want to be there and fit. We don't want to, because then we're afraid to be an outcast, and then we're afraid we'll be picked on, and so it's like, oh, what a cycle it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's rough, it's rough, but that's why it takes us all as adults, from officers, parents, teachers, that we just have to just, this is the role we have, and we have to, it's, 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 it's hard, but it can <laughs> be done. That's right, it is hard. If it was easy, it would just flow smoothly, but we must make it work. And yeah. our goal and our obligation as fellow 
people on this earth. I mean, we all occupy the same space, so why not make it easier and make it better? Right. Like, what's so more important? What, having our heads in our phones? Because that's all I, I see going on. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, there's a good point, too. Today, you know, I see a lot of incidents that police get involved in. And when I was a kid growing up, we were on the street. We were either uh, playing ball, we boxed, we wrestled, we got mad at each other, we fought. But then we got up and we knew everything was going to be okay. I call it the thumb generation. You know, they sit in front of the TV or on the box and they're using their thumbs. They're not communicating and interacting with other kids and other humans where we got outside and played. Then you give these kids that come into police academies training, you show them these videos trying to get them prepared for what they may face. It's like a horror movie. They go out there, they've never had a fight in their life and they encounter somebody that's aggressive and they panic. You know, and it's like, first thing they do is reach for the gun. It's like, no, no. In my time, I, I got medals and I'm not bragging, but it's like, I, I never shot anybody, you know? And uh, there was times when I could have, and some people would have probably said I should have, but I didn't. See, we trained with paper targets. And when you look at a human being, it's so different. It's like, even if your life is threatened, it's not easy to do that. So today's generation and the generation in the last 10 or 15 years, it's like, man, you need to get out there and interact with people more. It would really do you a great service. Hang out and don't be on the box together, you know, playing the video game. Get out there and do games like we used to do as kids where everybody, yeah. you know, put those boxes down, get away from the television and go outside and play. Plus it's good for your uh, physical nature as well. You know, Get out there. Yep, it all play, plays together. And you brought up something very, like, very significant and important when you said um, the difference, even with in uh, p- police, how the, the generation that used to get out there and, you know, play when the street lights were on, they go home, you know, got out there, versus the ones that come from, you know, you call it the thumb, you know, playing the games and inside social media and their reaction to a situation, how how different it is, and it struck something, you know, head here and that just shows too how the domino effect of how things can affect others the whole society by how what we teach our kids you know me versus that one kid that was allowed to stay home and just be on electronics and social media all day versus the older you know the old school generation where you got to get out and socialize and where certain things wasn't new to you you had to you encountered a little roughness you know what i mean out there or, or a bully or you know you got dirty you know roughed up and dealt with stuff versus the one that didn't ever you know come across a fight and you're like yeah you know everything's scary to them <laughs> yeah but you know i have people i've seen it they have arguments on they text an argument you know and it's like if you get face to face with somebody, you're less likely to be hurling those kind of words and insults. But mm-hmm, it yep. makes it so, oh, you hear it too, they call it like keyboard bravado, where people fire things off on Facebook or whatever. And it's like, you wouldn't say that if you were face to face. And not that you're a bad dude or anything like that, but it's like, you probably wouldn't say that because you've got more uh, compassion. When you're looking at somebody, you look into their eyes, you're not going to shred them like that. and. I don't know. I guess technology has brought us a long way, but I think it's also set us back a ways as well. Yeah. 
Yep, yep. It definitely needs to be looked at in a whole different manner. When we teach our kids about technology, there should be like the ethics behind behind it too of the harms and danger of technology and how to communicate across technology. But hey, that's another one to bring. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a show right there, you know? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um, if you don't want to ask you, <laughs> But um, gearing more towards your, your wrestling career, um, how, because you said that, that was your outlet. Mm-hmm. So how how did that, you know what I mean? Uh, that was after the, because you're doing the, um, the domestic and all that with the uh, police force, that was first. And then, the, you know, the wrestling was your outlet. So how did that, when did that connect and really start to take place for you? Well, what happened was, now I'd, I'd been following wrestling since I was 10, but one day I, I was working in the patrol division and I saw a poster in a 7-Eleven that a local wrestling show was going to be in town and Nikolai Volkov was going to be there. Now, I was always a collector of older matches. Pre-Hulk Hogan was my era. I got involved afterwards and things like that, but what I really concentrate on is pre-Hulk Hogan era. So I figured, hey, you know, Nikolai's going to be there. It's an afternoon show. I'm going to go there and try and, and talk with him. Maybe he has some matches or a line on matches that I could get. So I got there that afternoon. It was a local boys club in Baltimore that they were performing for. And he saw me as soon as he walked in the door because I was in uniform. He said, hey, Sergeant. I said, hey, good morning, Nikolai. I'd never met him before. So what they do at these independent shows, you go and you set up a table before the matches and you sell photos and meet people. So I went over and started to talk to him and explain the situation about the looking for tapes and matches. And he said, Oh, I have nothing. I I would love to uh, get some. I I pay you. I said, you ain't paid me nothing. I owe you for all the years of entertainment. I'll be glad to do it for you. So I did. And then we became friends. So then naturally I start pestering him to get into the business. He said, no, you have a good job. We all get hurt. You don't want to do that. I said, Nikolai, I do. I can't, uh, I can't come this close and walk away. So then that's when he came up with the idea of manager. And I wasn't crazy about it because I really wanted to go full bore as a wrestler. But it was like, you know, he's right. It makes sense. So we developed my character. And so I was like in my 15th year with the police department. And I was able to manage both because then when I got into being a detective and not in patrol anymore, you have a more basic set schedule. Your day work usually and weekends off and you can bounce a wrestling schedule around that. So it worked out for me. But if I had stayed in patrol, there'd be no way that would have occurred because that thing is just all over the board. Your days off fluctuate and you're here, you're there. So it worked out really great. And they accepted me well into that world because, again, that could have been like, well, hey, that's your problem. Make it on your own. You learn like I did. But everybody was wonderful. I never met anyone in wrestling that, and these were all big names that were, felt like they were too big to help. Or, and, and you can easily get hurt if you don't know what the heck you're doing or and somebody can hurt you. But everybody treated me like a kid like a babe you know they took care of me and a lot of times they were in awe of me because they said well you do what we do only out on the concrete you know you've you've taken some real nasty blows over the years and it's like yeah but you guys entertained us you know it's uh i explained 
to a few that I became close with over the years, like Nikolai and Chief Jay Strongbow and Bruno Sammartino, and explained to them, you know, you kept a kid who was in a really horrible life situation, and you spoke to us. You, you didn't realize that you were just selling tickets for the next show by doing these promos, but you were speaking to us. And it hit him, it hit my heart. And it kept me centered. It made me work out. It kept me from smoking, even just a cigarette, no drugs, anything like that. And it really kept this kid alive. And that's why when today's product, you know, I'm not a fan of it. I don't really follow it that much because it's so different. And I'm not knocking it because it is still dangerous, very athletic. But if it's there for kids like it was there for me, then I applaud it and say, go for it. It's not as violent as it used to be. That much I know. They, they've really gone PG. They went public with that statement. Even WWE, it's, it's a PG-rated show now. That's why it's like more of an acrobatic show. You're not going to see blood like you used to. You're not going to see uh, too much of the violence with the chairs and things like that. It was a different product back then. But again, if what it's there for today, and it's like a Disneyland, the way I viewed it, and I wrote about it in a book called When It Was Real, because, yeah, we knew what it was all about. My mother told me from day one, but we could believe it. And it was like watching... Uh, action figures come to life or you know cartoon characters that were when you'd go to the arena to see them live it was just magical like for a kid that goes to Disneyland you know and it was like wow this is just fantastic and it, it was something you either loved it you hated it or you didn't care about it but when you, you couldn't just like it you loved it it drew you in the color the excitement the characters some people used it as a catharsis for they would see the bad guy as, say, like in my case, the father or boss at workers. It's like, not me. I just always enjoyed the characters, who they were. And that's all I looked at it for. And it worked for me. So that was great. Crowbarpress.com is where you can find Nikita's book, When It Was Real, where he talks about his perspective, two points. From a star-eyed fan and also the manager of the tag team. Go ahead and just check it out. CrowbarPress.com. Thanks, Nikita. <laughs>